Hello, listeners. This is Ashton, the audio guy. We would like to apologize for our total lack of a Christmas episode. We know we promised one and we know we didn't deliver. So, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's, and we're excited to start off with Season 2 of History for Non-Majors. Welcome back to History for Non-Majors. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Laura. And thank you for joining us on our first episode of Season 2 that is happening several weeks into 2022. Yeah, we had to kind of get our act together. Um, you know, we've been, at, been back for a while and we hadn't figured out when we were going to do all this stuff, record everything and, you know, handle the other parts of our lives. But after a very long hiatus, we are we are back. Student we're, schedules are hard. Yes, but we are back and we're ready to tell you interesting historical facts and just be goofy for your entertainment. We, we? we talked a really big game with scheduling a uh, Christmas break episode. Oh, God, um, we did. But between their incredibly busy schedules and my clinical depression, it just was not in the cards. It, was, it, it wasn't in the cards, okay. really. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> the people have a right to know. They really don't. But, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so not how that works. We <laughs> Listen, I joke about my clinical depression a probably unhealthy amount, but my therapist hasn't started chewing me out over it, so. Well, you are the sound guy, so you can edit out however much of that you wish to. Yeah, I would say I'm on my own track, but I'm picking up on you guys' mics, so. Okay, cool. It's pretty in there. <laughs> it's pretty oh, in there. Okay. Also, Bonnie's in charge of this week. We could always... I am not editing this okay. episode. You can always re-record that part if you don't want people to hear about your clinical depression. Nah, it's fine. Okay, cool. I'm leaving all this in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so, um, so, Bonnie, how have you been? We like to do a little check-in. Uh, it's been kind of funny. I When somebody asks, hey, Bonnie, how's your semester going? I always immediately turn to my roommate and go, I don't know, Christina, how's the semester going? <laughs> And she has to answer for me. So her answer recently has been way better than last semester, which is good to hear from your roommate. Because I think the stress turned me into, like, a monster last semester. And I look back and I'm like, how did I live? Mm. You know? Yeah. It's like when somebody walks into your bedroom and they're like, oh, you live like this? That was last semester. This semester's good. Yeah? So far. Anything? You've learned anything or anything... um I don't know, history-related that you'd like to share with us happening in your life? Hmm. We have a test on Friday. We do have a <laughs> test on Friday. Hopefully I've learned new things. I, we did say earlier when we were in medieval Europe that, not, not when we were in medieval Europe, but when we were in a class we about medieval Europe, <laughs> that, that we, we were supposed to do this thing. We were supposed to create a summary for, like, what one of the the test essays was going to be, uh, but yeah. we kind of got really distracted and didn't know what we were talking about, which is what norm we normally do when we're in class together. Yeah. So we said, I said something about, well, maybe we can just do it in the podcast later, and Dr. Renberg can just listen, and we can be like, look, Dr. Renberg, we did it. Yeah. yeah. If Dr. Renberg is listening, I know so much. Yes. I I'm a sponge of information. Yes. Actually. Mm-hmm. Just a treasure trove really mm -hmm. of information about medieval Europe mm -hmm. that's, that's all I have in here really I know so much about the great schism I know so many names and dates and um what the English not with the English but the European <laughs> map from the year 1000 looks like 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Me too. Have you looked at that map? I'm great at maps. What in the world? Hey, viewers, um, listeners, the peeps on the other side, let me know if any of these countries ring a bell to you. Pomerania. Like Valetti. A, wait, isn't that like a kind of dog? Pomeranian. <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh, Sweden and Denmark. I know those. Abatrites. Abatrites? Abatrites. Abatrites. Okay. Abatrites. More. Alban. Orkney. Alec. Kanakt. Mumha. Or Muma. Uh, De Huberth. Pompello. Where are these places? Cortuba. You need to know them for Friday. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I hate I to tell like you I, this. Okay, I, I have been paying attention in that class, but even when I have been paying attention, I feel like I haven't been paying attention. Sidebar, not all the information that shows up on the study guide um, has been discussed in class. Oh, so it's just so, in textbooks maybe? Okay. Yeah. That's fine. If Dr. Renberg is listening, I had two, like, sobbing breakdowns last semester, and they were for two separate um, ancient Mediterranean exams. Helen was present for one. Helen is a witness. Helen is a witness. Helen walked up and was like, are you okay? And I was on the phone with my mom, like, allergy-ridden, like, outside Watkins, like, bawling my, like, just eyes out on the phone. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'll be up there in a minute. Oh, no. That was pretty funny. That was terrible. Are you, are you bullying Dr. Redberg right now? I'm not, We're not bullying not Dr. her. Redberg. If it makes you feel any better, Dr. Redberg, I have, like, zero study skills, and I never have. All of my history classes in the past have been, like, here are a few broad concepts and some vocab words and connect ideas as well as you can in an essay. I haven't been asked to memorize specific details in five years. You'll know how bad it's going to make her feel if she thinks she made you cry. Uh, you yeah. didn't make you me cry. Take my, that part out. Mom, my mental instability made me cry. That's fair. And my desire to succeed despite self-sabotage. Yeah. Desire to succeed despite self-sabotage. I said to Marina the other day, um, all my habits are mistakes. And I meant that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Mm, that's okay. Sort of be a downer. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. We're on the up, people. This yeah. semester's good. Or I'm getting over I'm the whole... i think of what I, I have. To oh, I'm... Uh, yeah, I'm in a class called abolition. Sorry, I got them mixed up. It's slavery and abolition, not abolition and slavery. If you're doing it chronologically, Nolan says that he can't wait till we get to abolition, because you know. Amen. Yeah. Amen, um, brother. Because <laughs> right now we're just on slavery. Mm, and, what a bummer. Um, it's a really cool class actually, because there's only seven people in it, and um, so like if you don't talk, that's bad for you. But yeah. um. We're, she's doing it, it's with Dr. Prevett, and she's doing it in this yes. way where we're, like, creating our own teaching uh, weeks, which is cool, right? Because a bunch of the people, you know, who are history majors want to teach eventually. Oh, so, so it's like you get to teach a class? Yeah, and it's mostly seniors in there, um, so it makes sense, too, um, you know, for career purposes. Yeah. But I think it's going to be cool. I'm doing science. There's a, there's a um, unit on science. So that's going to be interesting. Um, I know that I'm looking forward to that. What do you teach the science? Oh, it's going to be about, like, scientific, like, looking at slavery and race through, like, the lens of science and medicine, which will be fun because I can debunk all the crazy shit people believed. There's a long-running joke where if you leave humans alone in a vacuum, the two things they always reinvent are alcoholic beverages and phrenology. 
Oh God! Oh dear! That's true. That's phrenology and alcohol come up in every time in culture. The history of alcohol is pretty interesting because, like, literally, people just figure it out over time. You should do an episode on the history of alcohol. That would make you really love. It'd be about to say it'd be really funny at this. I'll do the history of phrenology on the the (laughs) Baptist (laughs) campus. We should do the. The history of alcohol. Phrenologies through history. How measuring skulls oh. became just the popular well, European doctor, pastime. Um, Dr. Pravet actually has a, an antique textbook from the 1840s. Oh, no. That has a fold-out that shows all the different sizes of skulls, like, supposedly, quote-unquote, oh, no. of different oh, God, races, no. and then no. explains, like, what it means. No! <laughs> yeah. But it, she said that the guy who made this textbook was also, like, um, the guy who, the, the first European to realize that malaria came from mosquitoes. So he was, like, a good doctor in other ways. He was just really, really wrong about He just stuff. happened to be super racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. She said that her... This guy, the, uh, like one of her old professors gave her this textbook as, and he said to keep it as like a reminder that even the, the best, like most enlightened people of our time basically can be really like, have really wrong ideas about stuff. And like in the future, you know, it's kind of like, where it's you a good look, lesson to have. You look at things and you're like, what stuff that we're doing right now are people going to look back on and be like, I can't that was, that. I can't believe they did that. Yeah. Which is a I can't great believe point. they believed that. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is an interesting perspective. That's very upsetting. <laughs> Shall we? Would you like me to tell you about what we're talking about today? <gasps> yes, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay, so I am also another class I'm taking is a women in art history class, and it's an elective for my art history minor. Um, it's with Dr. Walker, and she's great. Um, and it's been very fun because you know this is so we're talking about like women in as subjects of art but also as producers of art Ooh, and yes yeah so we've talked about the male <laughs> gaze Ooh, <get> it. <laughs> and we've talked about you know uh, a lot of nudity stuff Whoa. <laughs> and yeah mm-hmm. very very true to au yes no but um the other day we were talking about still life so we were talking about dutch 17th century art and one of the pieces of art that she put up on the board was this illustration. It was kind of like a, I think it may have been, a, may have been a, an, either a drawing or an engraving. It didn't look like a painting. Maybe a watercolor painting, though, yeah. of, like, some insects and plants. Um, and it looked kind of like a botanical illustration, so I was curious about that. And then I looked at the name and the title, and it said it was by Maria Marion, um, and it was from... Oh gosh, I gotta find. I had the name pulled up earlier. It's very long and it's in Latin, I believe. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's from Metamorphosis Insectorum Surinamensium, or the Metamorphosis of the Insects of Suriname. And that made me curious. And I was like, I feel like I've heard about this lady before. So I went and looked her up. Um, and so she has a really cool, interesting story, actually, um, that we didn't get to touch on very much in our class because there's just so much content. But so we will touch on it here so today. So I wanted to do a special uh, episode about that because she is a really interesting lady, and there's a lot of cool stuff to know about her. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, though, there's not a lot of information about like her personal life. Yeah. There's not a lot of sources on that. Um, there's a lot of sources about her work, her career, and the things she produced, though. Um, so, yeah, that's what I want to talk about today. And I would love your questions and input. Oh, yes, of course. We, we, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess if you don't have anything about, like, her personal life, it's good that her work survived. Yeah. Well, no, there's stuff about her personal life. There's just not a lot of, like, sources, I guess. Like, there's basic information. Like, so we, we uh, know what her life kind of looked like. Like, who she frame. was, where she's born. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Like, her basic personal information. But she didn't leave, like, a diary she, Yeah, or she didn't leave a diary or anything. She was very work-oriented. Okay, yeah. So, basically... She, Maria, she was born Maria Sibylla Marion, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She was born in Frankfurt, Germ- what is now Germany. It wasn't Germany back then, in 1647. And she was born to a f- into a family that had a history of art. Her dad, I don't know how to say his name. Sorry. But it looks like <laughs> Matthias, but with an A-U-S at the end. It's like... Mateus, maybe? Mateus? Mateus? If you're German, I don't know. Um, And he was a renowned illustrator, but he died when she was just a small child. Then her mom got remarried to a guy named Jacob Merrill, who was a still life painter. And so she had this very artistic family background. Um, And her stepfather taught her how to paint and draw from a very, very young age. So that's where she got her artistic background. Because the thing is, she's she's famous in both science and art. Because she was a scientist and an artist. Like a, an artistic scientist. Yeah, she was. And a scientific artist. <laughs> she was just a Venn diagram of her dad's at this point. What? It's just like a Venn diagram of her dad's. Of her dad's. And like their interests. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, it seems like her dad and her stepdad were both just artists and not scientists. Like she, that was a new thing. Yeah. But um, one, so from a very young age, she got very interested in insects. She was yeah. a bug kid. Yeah, she was that bug kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her, we all know one. Her uncle was a silk merchant, and so some of the first insects that she studied were silkworms. That's so And fun. she would study and make drawings and paintings of these silkworms and their life cycle. So she would she would, you know, watch them as they turned from, you know, worms and they and then they wrapped themselves in the cocoon mm-hmm. and then turned into moths. So um, they do their she thing. was just fascinated by this transformation. And um, apparently one of the things that it's really cool about about her is that when she started doing this work and this study, people at this time still believed that insects were created from, like, they just were spontaneously generated from, uh, like, dung or other, like, rotting meat or something. Y'all can't see my face. I am dumbfounded by this. They just thought that, like, bugs just, like, came out of nowhere. Yeah, basically. Had nobody seen, like, like a like a spider egg sack open? I don't know. You I mean, sp- You ever poke one of those and then the spiders come out? Well, technically spiders aren't insects. Oh, gosh. They're like every bug except They're arachnids. They could delineate between but insect before, and arachnid, but, but they thought that. This is before um, Corollus Linnaeus, the guy mm-hmm. who created the, you know, what's it called? You know, the species 
phylum, whatever. You know, yeah. the organization for species. Kingdom phylum class or yes. family yes, genus species. Yeah. So this is before he comes along. Um, and she, so she's one of the first people to really study and recognize the life cycle of insects, which up to this point people thought were just, like, appearing, basically. I just can't believe that somebody would be like, Mother, look! A spider! It um, miraculously appeared! And it's like, spiders. And it's like, no, Timmy, that's an arachnid. We know they come from <laughs> eggs. And it's like, what about this fruit fly then? And she's like, that's that's a curse. <laughs> it just appeared miraculously. Well, I'm not saying that... I don't know if they knew about spiders either. Like, I'm, I don't know to what extent people are were aware yeah. of the origins of animals at this point. Go back in time and know what they know, Laura. Yeah, I guess if <laughs> Tell it's me like what they about too spiders. small for it to be very ob- easily observable, yeah. then they were just like, well, I don't know. It's I guess it just, it just happened. God just wants it to be that way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she studied these and she, she um, record, she made recordings of the, you know, made images of the different, all the different stages of the life cycle of these silkworms. And she would, from a very young age, she would gather specimens of these different insects and she would observe them and draw them and paint them and collect them and then trade them. And, um, okay, so her life, th- okay, this isn't where it starts to get kind of strange, but it oh. does start to get kind of strange. So she, at the age of 18, she got married. You don't need to know about him. He's not important. Yeah. <laughs> but his name is Johan. Oh, my gosh. In G- Germany, of he course. He was actually an apprentice of her stepfather. And um, I think, so he was also a painter. I think he was, yeah, he was like a still life painter, which is what her stepfather was. Um, so they had they had two daughters together, Johanna, Helena, and I, okay, I think Dorothea was the name of their other daughter. It's like the old German Dorothy. Yes, the Dorothea. old German, <laughs> the old German Dorothy. Yeah, Dorothea and Maria. Uh, so that um, yeah, jo- Johanna, Johanna, Helena, and Dorothea Maria were her two daughters. Okay, so those are the kids she had with her husband. And during the time that she was married, she, you know, she kept up her work. She kept making more watercolors and engravings, and um, she published a couple of books during this time. One of them was called The Blumen Book, which means Book of Flowers, and I love that so much. That's just the German for it, is The Blumen Book? The Blumen Book. The Blumen Book. Okay. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. They really said, it is what it is. It's a Blumen Book. (laughs) It is. It do be blooming. And then she, then she also made the noose blooming book, which is the, the new, new book of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love how some much. German words are like terribly complicated, and then you've got the noose blooming book. <laughs> it's like an IKEA shelf. <laughs> oh, yeah. Her her kids were actually born ten years apart, which was really uncommon for this period. Yeah. And I one of the sources that I was looking at. Um, I'm not sure where they got this information, so, like, I don't know if you should quote this because, you know, but um, they said that, oh, yeah, she was using some kind of birth control, like some, like, innovative methods because if her kids were born that far apart. And I'm not sure if that's true or if they were just assuming that. Y'all you know. are just jealous that your kids are so close <laughs> together. <laughs> They're jealous. Wait, they're jealous. I of mean, they all, y'all are oh, sad that oh, your kids yes. are close together. Y'all are know. jealous of her. I don't know. Um, I was like, we're trying to say. (laughs) 
But yeah, she had the Bloomin' book and the Noose Bloomin' book. <sighs> Love that. And uh. then her daughter was born after she published, her second daughter was born after she published those. Um, so then, and then she published, oh dear, this one's very, this title's very long. Oh dear. I'm going to try to say it in German. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> der der Ropen Wunderbär Verwandelung und Sonderblär <laughs> Blumenerung. Sorry, German speakers. I apologize. Oh my <laughs> it gosh. means caterpillar. <laughs> Thank you, Ashton. You're insulting Caterpillars, so their wondrous transformation and peculiar nourishment from flowers. Well, that's a, it's a long title. It is. They were into long titles back then. But I guess not always because there was also the Bloomin' Book. Um, the Bloomin' Book? It yeah. sounds like you're insulting somebody. So there were like two volumes. Old lady. Yeah. <laughs> the Bloomin' uh, that, that bloomin Book. You know, oh my gosh. That? <laughs> <laughs> so there are two volumes of the Caterpillar Book that I'm not going to repeat the name of. Oh, the Caterpillar Book. Yeah. And so in, in these books, she, she used illustrations that depicted inaccurate in scientifically accurate detail, the metamorphosis of moths into butterflies. Or, you know, okay, moths. Yeah. Not moths into butterflies. Yeah. What the heck? Sorry. Moths and butterflies. Um, so, and it, she did this really cool thing where, so all of her illustrations, while being scientifically accurate, were also very graceful and just lovely and pretty to look at. Um, and she would always show the insect on, the pl- on or beside the plant that it was known to eat or live on um, that it was typically associated with. Um, and, yeah, she would just show incredible detail and in, a, in this really beautiful way. And she would mix her own pigments mm. um, to create these colors that were found every good artist does. Yeah, she's, she's really cool with that. Um, okay, so after do, you know publishing those books, she moved back to her hometown to care for her mom after her stepfather died. Um, and actually, their whole family moved over to. Oh, to I thought you were gonna say her whole family out died with grandma. No, You're like, actually, her whole family actually, died. No close family members die before they're old in this story. Yeah, right. that's I like, rare. I feel like that's a plus for the. That's you a know, big plus in terms of history. Century. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then this is where things started to get a little strange. Uh, at least for this time period. And also kind of just strange in general. Okay, so it, what happens here is she and her husband, I don't know what happened between them, but they end up separating. And in the 1600s? Yeah, yes. Girl, and she and her daughter and her mother kind of sort of join. Okay, it's not a cult. Oh. Okay, they, but it's like a commune. Basically, they join a commune. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, Good on them, I guess. In the Netherlands. So they go from Germany to the Netherlands to join this, like, religious community. Commune Loose cult. Why did I say it like that? Okay, it's, sorry. Yeah, it's not a cult. I mean, because, like, they were able, they left. They ended up leaving. So I don't think it's a cult necessarily because the cult probably would not have let them leave. A place where three single women in the 1600s. Four single women. Four single women can do their thing. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. And, and um, it says that she didn't produce very many paintings during this time in the commune, but some people have credited her time in the commune with, like, encouraging her in kind of breaking gender norms. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're... I'm going to smash these gender norms. <laughs> when you're living in a commune, things are often very different than in larger society. Correct. And there were apparently some, like, 
like gender roles were not quite the same. They were kind of undermined in this commune. And so people think that maybe that was part of the reason she ends up doing so many like exclusively male things in her career. Um, and I will get into that more. So her mom dies when they're in the commune. Aww. And then she and her daughters move to Amsterdam. Yeah. So Where now, everybody can go be artsy as much so as now they please. We're in Amst- Amsterdam in the late 17th century. You can just conjure images of like. Wish it were me. Of like, I don't know, Vermeer and all those different paintings where like the light is really cool and the people are wearing like long stays and they have little curls right around their forehead. You know. I love who says the light's cool and like the light's better in Amsterdam. The light is really cool in Dutch paintings. It just is in Amsterdam. They know it different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, somebody said it has to do something with the canals. I, they just stare at water all day and they're like that light man. That light hits different. Yeah I don't know. Oh wow. It does look really cool though. You should look, you should look some examples up to see what I'm talking about. Okay, and then after she moves to Amsterdam, she actually gets divorced. Wait, she was married again? No, no, no. No, she got separated from her husband. And You're right. They okay. actually get divorced. I'm just saying it like that because... There's a timeline It of was events. kind of a big deal. That's why to, I was surprised. To get divorced. I thought you were telling me she was divorced twice. I was like, how do you yeah. manage this? Like, okay. she didn't... It's, you know, to get divorced when you didn't commit adultery. Yeah, one of you has to be, like, about to kill the other. When, I mean, like, when the woman didn't commit. Like, she did not... Yeah. She didn't cheat on him from what we can see. But she did leave him and go join a commune. So, like, that's a pretty big thing. That's a pretty so big he, thing. So he he divorces her. So then they're... they're um. So the three of them him. are living in Amsterdam. And then the older daughter gets married. Um and she's, um, Maria is continuing her career in Amsterdam. She's painting and she's selling stuff. And that's how they're, that's how they're living in Amsterdam. I should get to live my dream. <laughs> what, to live in Amsterdam and sell paintings? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, that sounds. I want to go to Amsterdam. Let's do it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Sorry, guys, Sorry, podcast Noah. over. <laughs> We're Bonnie and I are going, uh, we're running away to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's determined. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so at this, some sometime in this point, Maria decides that, okay, so she's working on these drawings and these illustrations, and she's hearing all these reports about stuff that is being discovered in South America. And she can get her hands on some specimens of the insects that have been brought back by other explorers. But, you know, when they've been on a boat for, like, what, weeks? You don't want you know, that. They're fruitful. all, they, they, you know, they're dead. They're probably not in very good condition. So she decides that she just needs to get to the source. Because, you know, that's how she works is by studying live insects and, like, just immersing herself in the environment so she decides she wants to go to south america yeah she is <laughs> like hyping her up she sorry. doesn't get she um was not able i'm not sure how much she actually sought funding but she doesn't get any funding to go on this trip she basically just ends up selling all her paintings and everything that she has um, to fund this trip and she and her younger daughter, Dorothea, go on a trip to Suriname, which was a Dutch colony in South America. And it was supposed to be a five-year-long expedition. It ends up being more like two because malaria. Because malaria. Because malaria. But during this, during this trip, um, 
she was able to study the insects and the plants of South America up close, which is something that not very many naturalists or scientists have been able to do, um, and especially not artists. You know, because yeah. not every scientist is as accomplished as an artist as she was. So they're taking notes like, oh, the bug looks like this and it's doing this. Yeah, this but many she's times actually, you know, ma- making visual notes. You know, so she's she's going out into the jungles every day and studying the plant life and the insects that she finds. And more than just insects, we have illustrations of um, of snakes and crocodiles that she made. I mean, while you're there, you might as well. <laughs> Yeah, you might as well. And they don't look exactly like photorealistic necessarily. But I want to see I'll it. Show Please you. show me these images. There's the there's the crocodile. It's a very the snake. Beautiful crocodile. Yeah. But if I'd never seen a crocodile before, I'd be like, what the heck is this? I mean, it's definitely scientifically accurate, like anatomically correct and everything. Yeah. Um, she really focused on like the scales. Yeah. The she, snout. The she teeth. got the details really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she, that's what she does the whole time she's there, and she just, she and her daughter keep going out into the jungle and studying, and her daughter is really her assistant in all of this. I was about to say, like, to be her daughter in all of this. Yeah, I know. Her daughter is a really good assistant, apparently, um, and she, we we will get to that, because she ends up doing her own thing later, but. Yes, (laughs) queen! So after, after a little less than two years, uh, Maria does come down with malaria. Unfortunate. And has to go back to Amsterdam. And shortly after returning to Amsterdam, she in 1705, she publishes her most famous work, Metamorphosis Insectorum Surinam, Surinamensium. There we go. Or the Metamorphosis of the Insects of Suriname. Um, it is usually thought of as the most important work of her career, and it has about 60 engravings illustrating different stages of development of insects in Suriname. Um, like her other works, this work depicted the insects on and around the plants that they eat or live on, and it included descriptions about each stage of their development. So it's like very orderly, very helpful, useful guide yes. to this stuff that no one has no one has published anything about this, really. Um, not on this level. I'm so happy for her. <laughs> and it is actually one of the first illustrated accounts of the natural history of Suriname that comes out. Where is Suriname? It's on the northern coast of South America. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually always, I always, when I hear it, I would always think that it's somewhere in, like, Southeast Asia. That's a really like, Asian-sounding name. Is it, so that would be, like, top of Brazil, maybe? Is there anything on top of Brazil? Let's look up a map. So sorry, everybody. We're having sorry. to look up maps. We, we, well, we were just talking earlier about how we're not good at maps. That's true. You guys had You heard me say, oh, crap, a map. Oh, crap, a map. I didn't want to make that rhyme. I I hesitated in saying it because I didn't want to make that rhyme. Oh, crap, a map. (laughs) Me on the exam. (laughs) Knowing it's going to be there. You should just write that. I say, find Francia. I'm like, oh, crap, a map. (laughs) Okay, so it's kind of like, okay, Venezuela. Gotta remember, have mercy. And then, sorry, sorry, people who are listening, you can't see this. I'm just, I'm seeing her hands. Venezuela, Brazil's down here, and Mm -hmm. it's like over here. So it's like on top of Brazil. Makes sense. And over next to Venezuela. Okay. There's like Guiana, 
Suriname, and French Guiana. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. Although I learned these these countries in Spanish class in Spanish, so I want to say like Guyana Francesa, but that is probably also what. Why are you looking? I'm at just me laughing. Like that? I don't okay. know. I'm just cracking just, up. Okay. I I am staring at her. I'm like, wow, this is funny. Okay. Yes, I am. Not funny that you don't know countries. It's just kind of funny that we're both like, yeah, we're history majors. Welcome we're to our history podcast. Where's Venezuela? We know. I feel like. People know where Venezuela is, though. What do geography majors do? Because there are people who are is actual. Like, there are people places who are like actual geography majors. Yeah, I'm like, if we still had cartography as like a valid field, that of would study, be really you know? cool. Actually, I would love to be a traveling cartographer. That would be a very cool job. We here are. We, a, we yeah. specialize in concepts. Mm, concepts. Not. Not so much <laughs> concrete facts. Y'all ever see a good topographic map and like. Was it you ever on a hike and they're like, this is what the mountain looks like. Oh, and they show you like a topographic map. Like how tall everything is. The yes. Lines. Those are those are great. It's in the lines. It's in the lines. <laughs> it's in the lines, baby. It's like a mountain range. Yeah. A good uh, a online, good. like interactive map. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so good. Is what this, they're lacking is the little is sea monster drawn in the ocean. Where you say like it's so sexy. Yeah, I didn't want to say it on the podcast. <laughs> God, it's so hot. <laughs> the issue with saying it's hot is that like a topographic map is the only map that really shows curves of things, <laughs> so you can easily draw a connection. <laughs> Look at all those curves. Look at all those curves. Oh, shoot. But like okay. maps in general are hot. Yeah, I figured that would be something that because you were making she was giving the reaction that she normally gives when she says is about to say something is sexy or hot. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a typical thing. Is like, like when you thought, didn't you think that like the tesserae were hot? Yes, the little all oh, the little glass the little cubes. glass cubes from There's, the Byzantium episode. Can you imagine how much pain and turmoil went into making all of those little glass cubes just to be stuck in a wall to reflect the light perfectly off of this mosaic of christ i'm that, losing my mind just thinking and, about it and that ladies and gentlemen is what bonnie frick thinks is hot and sexy i'm losing my mind <laughs> because then later on they're like oh, this is iconography we have to cover it up that's a vocab word for our test tomorrow iconography and they're like oh, it's not tomorrow it's on friday oh thank god and they're like that's iconography we have to cover it up and i'm like shh, 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 shh. <laughs> you could just enjoy don't the mosaic that, of Paul, you know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, Mos- what's a good mosaic of Paul ever done to you? Like, leave her alone. Yeah, what did it? What Ooh. did it do to you? Okay, that was a little sidetrack No, moment. that's fine. I, I just wanted to appreciate that because it's a funny thing that you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so, um, and we're actually, there's like I said, there's not a whole lot of stuff I could find about this lady. So Except for her beautiful are, art. Yeah, but the art, unfortunately, is something that we cannot show this you is a, this over is a a audio format. <laughs> this is a different type of medium. <laughs> but we will, um, when we when we post about it on our Instagram account, we can put some of some examples of her illustrations on there. I did make a point last time to post some tesserae pictures, but like, do you know how hard it is to find pictures of tesserae? Yes. Because Cause I did a research project on it. That's true. <laughs> you would. Yeah, Google doesn't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, it's the it's the glass cubes. Yeah, that's where I had to use like actual academic sources. And you would be like, oh, yes, this is a great treasure trove of information. And you click on it, and it's literally just like two pictures of some tesserae. 
Yeah, Don't gosh. you hate it when academic sources do that to you? Yeah. You're like, I thought you were going to give me a bunch, and you just gave me a little bit. <laughs> but you're going to give also, me something. I hate it also when you click on an article that shows, like, that has a lot of promise. Yeah. And then it's like, here's the abstract. If you want to read the article, give me $30. <sighs> Research is literally searching for, like, 30 papers <clears throat> that'll take you hours to read that'll give you, like, five sentences. It is. Yes. I hate it. Because they're, there's. They want you to hand them money. They want you to pay me, pay me, and I'll tell you information. And typically, like, the money just goes to the journals. If you, like, find the author's email and you're like, hey, can you send me this article? Like, they'll send stuff to you. Really? But Have you done that? I Not for history. Because oh. it's just like, like, if they're being published through the journal, it's like the journal doesn't give them much money, I don't think. That's weird. I don't but like that. I did see somebody the other day. They're like... Like for kids, like a good like sensory toy or whatever is to use a colored acrylic blocks instead Mm -hmm. of wooden blocks. That way you can like, they're durable and you can stack them in the sun and the light will go through and like shine through them and the kid will understand like, oh, this is translucent and it's red. It'll turn the light red. Anyway, I want them. It reminds me of the tesserae. (laughs) (laughs) They're for children and I would love acrylic blocks. Okay. When's your birthday again? October. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! You're gonna be graduated then. I'm gonna be graduated then as a graduation I'll just, present. Like, I'll get me some acrylic. Ship blocks. you some acrylic blocks. No, or yeah, when you graduate, I'll just give you acrylic blocks for your graduation present. Thanks. Would that make you happy? Yeah. Bonnie, do you graduate this semester? Yeah. Yeah, it's oh. sad. Oh, speaking of which, Ooh, I speaking got a five out of ten on my Mussolini quiz. Wait, aren't you? Are you graduating, Ashton? In December. Oh, okay. I've got another semester. So, but speaking of Bonnie graduating, we discussed it. And we haven't finalized the details, but it doesn't, you know, doesn't take much finalizing because whatever, you know, we just have to, we just have to sign up for this room. But like, we are considering doing the podcast once a week instead of once every two weeks. Um, And part of that is trying to get in as many episodes as we can before Bonnie leaves us. That makes it sound like you're going to die. I'm the problem. No, you're not. Oh, my gosh. We are limited by our inability to write these. (laughs) It just takes a minute. I don't know. I don't write them. Yeah, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, okay. But I think my, um, my life, at least, is less hectic this semester. So I think I could fit in more episodes than last semester. Yeah, according to my roommate, my, my life is better this yeah, semester. Yeah, and Christina says that you are doing better. So <laughs> we're going to listen to her. This is the hardest semester in the nursing major, but I'm made out of steel. So. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. But I'm made out of steel. Okay, that's a good life. Yeah, that here we go. Good. Man of steel. That sounds like a movie. That's Too a good perspective. We should make a movie oh, out of it. <laughs> we should. Okay, so back to Maria Marion. She, okay, so when she came back from Suriname, she also brought a bunch, okay, in addition to her research, she brought back a bunch of specimens with her. Yeah, So she brought back, like, all these bugs, but she also brought back other animals, um, including snakes and an entire crocodile, at least one (gasps) whole crocodile. So... I love that for her. Yeah, and it, it did not specify whether, I mean, I'm assuming they were dead, but... Oh, okay, I was like... In my mind, she, like, had them in her suitcase. Okay. Yeah. Not, like, in her suitcase. She had the, the crocodile in her suitcase. Like, yes. she paid for the shipping, and this is a live crocodile, and I'm taking it yes, home. I'm taking this crocodile. That Bye. is exactly what I envisioned. Yes, and then she took it back to her townhouse in Amsterdam. <laughs> and kept <laughs> it as a pet. She's living my dream every day. No, yeah. That would be really cool, but I don't think she did that. I think it was dead. Um, no. We yeah. can't have it all. 
Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things she did was she traded in uh, specimens. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess so if you're there, yeah. Not long, money. not long after, or like a few years after she published Metamorphosis, she died. <gasps> yes. It's oh okay God. though. She was she was old for that time. She was you know good on her. She, she had a she had a good life. I mean, she was in her fifties when she went to Suriname, oh. which was already not young. Yeah, you know, I can imagine people being like, oh, "You're really getting up there in age. Are you sure you want to go to South America?" Yeah, and she's like, "The bugs are calling me." And you're a girl. <gasps> he gets, but the bugs are calling me. Ah, yeah, but daddy, so I love him. You know, the apparently. <laughs> One of the, okay, so this source says the year of her death, but another source said the on the day of her death, oh, um, most of her paintings were purchased by a representative of Peter the First, Tsar of Russia. <laughs> so okay, yeah, the girl. Tsar of Russia bought most of her paintings. Make your right after she coin. died. Yeah, yeah. Um, and her daughter Dorothea Maria was summoned to Petersburg where she went on to work as a scientific illustrator for the Tsar and became the first woman to be employed by the Russian Academy of Sciences. That's cool. <laughs> really had to do the mental math to be like, are they okay? Because I forgot when the Russian Revolution was. Yes, um, they, they will be. A, this is this is Peter, like, yeah. Peter the Great. Oh, that's you know, cool. like so the one who was the naval dude who loved Europe and everything yeah. about Europe, and he was so mm -hmm. I can I can just imagine that this dude was like he loved oh, a good yes, boat. Bring me back those. Dutch botanical illustrations. I want a lot of Europe stuff here. Europe stuff. You know what the, the king loved? The king, the king do be loving those those botanical illustrations. Yeah, I mean, I I was surprised by that, but I guess you know he wanted. He, he but he all, he was all about Russia becoming more westernized and more like enlightenment ish. Yeah. You know, like scientific, modernized. Yeah. So you it make, remember, it he does was a boatman. A boatman. Yes, he was a boatman. I'm assuming that that means that he wanted. Oh, yeah. He, like, he, if he I'm remembering my Peters correctly, he was the one that was, like, Russia needs a better navy. Yeah. But that's why he I was so, like, correct. Europe involved. And so he was, like. Well, that was, I think, he, I've always just learned about him that he was just really Europe and obsessed in general. Yeah. Like, he's the one who made, who started making Russian guys, like, chop off their long beards because they didn't look European. Yeah. How bummed would you be if you were, like, a Russian dude and you were growing out your beard for years and then. Your king was like, you know what's not Russian now? You're fit. You know, like, that'd like, be, oh, me up, he's oh, like, me we up. have never been Europeans before. We've kind of been this ambiguous middle, but instead, now we are going to be Europeans. Remember on our map tomorrow, it's called Rusland. Rusland. Okay, cool. So, anyway, that's, that's what tool. Dorothea Maria did afterward. Um, Johanna Helena, who she actually moved to Suriname with her husband. Um, in 1711 and became Queen. a noted artist in her own right. So clearly their mom, their mom's life had a huge influence on them. Yeah. Um, and it is really cool to see. I, I feel like a lot of the time you will see like this woman who is the exception to the rule in her time. And she's like way ahead of her time and she's doing all these really cool things and just like defying norms and the system. And then like, the next generation just kind of goes back to it. Yeah. Just goes back to, you know, living as proper citizens or whatever and no, subscribing to the like, norms. This is us now. She was like, yeah, they they clearly, they took after her. And they must have seen something admirable in the way she lived her life because um, they 
seems like they they basically patterned their lives after hers, which is really cool. So Thanks, she must guys. have been a good role model. Aw. Yeah. Um, I had some of the sources that I used. I uh, A couple of them are worth mentioning. One of them was just like, oh, this lady talking about her. And she was getting real excited about it. Like she was just holding a book that had her illustrations and she was going on about how cool Maria Marion was. Yeah. But um, one of the videos that I watched was a, like a cute little, um, I guess it's like women in STEM. I'm um, a woman in STEM. YouTube page, but it was like for little girls. <laughs> it was really cute. And so it was like her story for kids. Yeah. Um, so it was like, you know, talk. it was like giving a little education about bugs and also education about this woman who studied them. So I thought that was really adorable. Um, but there was also this video where this guy was doing like an exhibit or something with the this with a museum or a library in Cincinnati and he, where he was like recreating the illustrations of Maria Marion with actual specimens <gasps> of like plants and insects. Whoa. So he was like recreating them in 3D with the actual things that they're illustrating. Yeah, so that that was intriguing also. Um, so there's some cool stuff out there. I mean, she's. Um, I also found this book at the library <gasps> called The Great Naturalists, and she has a few pages in here. You know, as I was looking through the table of con- um, contents, it actually looks like she was one of the only women in this book. Dang. Nice yeah. to see that Anderson College is pulling their weight still in 2022. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it's their fault so much as it's just like oh, this pictures. book, the whoever made this book. But um, yeah, you can look at the pictures if you want. Here you go. Sorry, I say Anderson College because half the books in our library are just like Anderson College. And it's interesting half. because some of the, okay, this is a little bit sad, but some of the sources say that she died penniless. But then I found another source that said that that's not true and that's a myth. So Amen. They just I don't like to see know. a woman winning. They, yeah, I don't. I really don't know. I love the um, way that she draws a pineapple. I know, isn't it so cool? Yeah, they're so pretty. <laughs> Sorry, um, listeners. Yeah, you hear the, the page is flipping. Oh, this yeah. is a different guy. This is Mark. Move aside, Mark. You don't care about Mark. So yeah, but um, you know, a lot of people might look at the oh, accounts. Hi, Mark. Oh, okay. Oh, hi, Mom. I've, I, I definitely, I think I learned about her when I learned about the Enlightenment in at least one class because she is one of the most important female scientists of the Enlightenment. And I think there are probably people out there who will say, oh, you're just trying to find a woman scientist to insert in here. But, like, no, she was a pioneer. She pulled her weight. Like, even if she had not been, even if she had not been a woman, the work that she produced would be revolutionary and it would be important to the field. Yeah. So um, we will have none of that nonsense <laughs> from people. We will accept none of this. We will. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that was pretty much everything that I had. And thank you for letting me talk about this cool thing that I found out about. Thank you for doing the research and finding <laughs> out stuff about her. She You're sounds welcome. pretty dope. Mm-hmm. She was. I keep looking at Ashton's leg because I'm like, can he hear his leg bouncing in the audio? But he's not bouncing his leg anymore. Okay. 
I did. I did. <laughs> okay. I did see him like shaking, and I thought he was laughing, but it yeah, was just his. It never leg stops. It like vibrates I was his like, body. He's just constantly no, laughing yeah, at us. No, We're hilarious. I, I I tap my. It's I don't even tap it all the way to the ground. Mm-hmm. I have my toes on the ground, and then my heel bounces up and down really quickly. Yeah. Okay. It's a whole thing. So you weren't laughing at us because we're hilarious. No. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes in the before part, and then sometimes in the media mention, but not always in the middle bit. Yeah, that Unless makes we're joking sense. about cannibalism. Ah, oh, I missed that episode. Oh, shoot. That was a good we're one. That was about. a good one. Yeah, we should, we Wait, should, um, Tom go. Holland didn't get eaten in that one, right? He did not. He That's did not so disappointing eaten. to me. Well, because the whole thing he's is, the viewer. He's, it's told from his viewpoint. He's yeah, Thomas Nickerson. I feel like afterwards, like, he finishes telling what's going on, and then he gets, like, hijacked by a ghost as soon as he stops outside and they eat him. Is that wrong? Um, I have a weird respect <laughs> for Thomas Nickerson, so maybe. <laughs> I wrote that whole paper, and I'm just like, mm, respecting my boys. <laughs> they were whalers. We, we don't, yeah, the morality, yeah. <laughs> Do we have a media mention for the week? Um, I think Bonnie I, was giving uh, that. My media mention is like a redacting of my The Last Duel media mention. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. This is Bonnie saying that we're going to discuss The Last Duel, which is an R-rated movie that does involve rape and the plot. So if that is something that you're not comfortable with, uh, fast forward a bit. Because I redact it not because it's like completely historically inaccurate. It, it, it's fine. As far as media goes, it's fine. It's one of those things where like costumers are like, I looked at this painting and their hair was ugly, therefore I will give everyone ugly hair. Like, it kind of kind of sounds like that. <laughs> um, like, in the beginning, they dress the woman and she pulls up her stockings, but they don't tie the stockings off. That made me mad. Like, they got most everything correct, and then they just didn't secure her stockings above her knee. So what were they doing? Were they just flopping around? They're just flopping around. Because, you know, those things weren't elastic. And yeah. they weren't, like, that, that was really back in the day that you had to just your stocking was like a loose sock and you had to tie it up above yeah. your knee. Or like a, a ribbon or something. And it just fell down. But, I don't know, it was just a bad movie. It was just a bad movie. And you may have seen headlines, it's like, director Ridley Scott blames, um, oh, what was the word he used? Like, like non-sympathetic. Mm. That, that it started with an A. Like, like unsympathetic millennials for ruining his masterpiece. And we're like, first of all, we're in a p- pandemic. We're in, we're in a, we're, we're in a panini, um, Ridley, and also your movie sucked. So, I'm not a millennial, nor are my parents, and they were like, and I was like, hey, I want to see this movie because it's got your boys, and it's historical and it seems good, and they were like, cool, cool, cool. So I sit betwixt my two Baptist parents as we watch the this this. Just just inappropriate movie play mm. out before us. And it's told from, like, if you don't remember what The Last Duel is, it's it's the story of the last, <gasps> like, legally sanctioned duel in France. Yes, I have seen this movie with my parents as oh well. Oh, my gosh, did it not <laughs> scar you for with life? my incredible... See, they had it on and I walked through the room. Uh, so it can't oh. be, like, my fault. Okay. Um, this is my mother who, if a movie ever says the F word, um, she tenses up and goes like that word which is you know fair um so the last duel was trying her patience for a lot of it god girl walk out of the room i know people who are like <laughs> i've never walked out of a movie but i was like hey mom and dad i made a mistake like my i felt bad because i was <laughs> like they took me to see this because i was home for like a school break and i was like oh let's go for out for the night and watch this and so i hesitate to leave a movie theater being like 
that was bad because I don't want, I'm a guilty person. I don't want anybody to feel like they wasted their money. Um, yeah, it was, it, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was good. I, I'm a last me. duel fan. I, I'm glad you are. As a non-history buff, what, okay, if yeah, you're an idiot sense. about history, go watch The Last Duel. It wasn't it's a even romp. history. It has Kylo Ren. There's adultery. Isn't there, like, rape? It's rape. Probably. Here's, okay, yeah, here's it's a recap of The Last Duel. I didn't watch that closely, or for most of it, but the parts that I did watch were really fun. The The summary of the plot is pretty much, like, it's the last legally sanctioned duel in, like, medieval France, um, and what happens is that Matt Damon's character, who's like a lord, he goes away to fight in some battle, and they ugly him up. They ugly him up. Boy, that's it's that's not the bad part. The bad part that is, is that the bad part. He, he leaves. He comes back, and his wife has been raped by his, um, by his friend and fellow soldier. But in the, in the story, he. Okay, so he comes back from the battle, and his wife ha- is like saying that she's been raped by his friend, and so he sue Matt Damon sues Adam Driver. I'm just gonna use their actor's name so you can yeah get a picture, um, and she has to. And in it, we see the absolute, like, just just uh, embarrassing experience for her as she tries to plead to like this old Catholic French court that she's been raped and that she didn't commit adultery, um, which if she's found to be lying her and her husband will both die so but the until you get to the end of the movie until you get to the last duel you have to sit through the same plot from adam driver's perspective matt damon's perspective and the woman's perspective that means that you not only see the like like turning point sex scene from three different perspectives from one of the perspectives it is a rape and then Adam Driver's character partakes in other sexual acts throughout the movie, and you have to watch those. So you get through one, you're like, thank God we're going to get to see a duel. And then it's like, the story as told from Matt Damon's perspective. And then you have to see Uh, it again. I like to briefly defend myself. I only watched the part of the movie that was from Adam Driver's perspective, which is why I thought it was a less problematic movie than it was. Because he's the one who did the raping. Yeah, he did not see it as a rape. In all fairness, from that perspective, it didn't (laughs) seem like a rape. I don't know if that's fair. That's what he argued. And so you finally get to the duel at the end. And kudos to my dad, who was just kind of like, I liked it. It had swords. And I'm like, thanks for salvaging this. <laughs> I really love you for this. Dads um, are epic. Dads are epic. I'm like, thank you for that. Um, and for really seeing the diamond in the rough. It was just kind of hard to watch. It's one of those things that, like, you're glad that the story got told. But uh, as a young woman, I kind of wish that it was told in a, in a different way. I kind of wish that I didn't have to watch that three times sitting betwixt my parents. Yeah. It was... Sense. Any, of, yeah, it was like the worst like Law & Order SVU episode oh. for like two and a half hours. Speaking oh, of like really uncomfortable things to watch with relatives, I think I told you this when you told me about this happening, Bonnie, over break. Yeah. Um, one time, and this is fairly historical, so I feel like it counts. Um, I went with my family. We had like season passes to our local theater group. And so we would go see just whatever they're putting on. And one of their shows for the semester was Cabaret. And I watched it sandwiched in between my incredibly Baptist mother and my incredibly Baptist grandmother. <laughs> and it was really awkward. Because it's like a romp until the Nazis show up. Like, it's a fun time until there's Nazis. 
So said everyone else. It's also incredibly horny even before the Nazis show up. And that's also (laughs) not fun with your grandmother. Like it would have been fun and then your grandmother was there. Yeah, it was really (laughs) awkward because of how horny it was. But like mostly a fun show, but it's awkward that Nana is right there. And then boom, (laughs) there's Nazis. It really did the old-fashioned sound of music one-two on me. Oh no, there's Nazis. Oh my god. Yeah, I thought we were having different. a fun time. I thought we were having a fun time, a wholesome cabaret experience, and boom, now half of the characters are Nazis. Oh. Catching you off guard. Do we do media mentions that aren't um, historical? Or no? Uh, Which one not you? really. I, I just have been watching Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother's on right now, and oh let me gosh. tell you, it's one heck of Wait, a season. that is not, that does not, um, I'm just not telling relevant. our listeners that Celebrity Big Brother Okay, Ashton does you endorse can find a way to the game show Big Brother. In to history. The history of Big Brother, he says. Um, it's only the third season of Celebrity so, Big Brother. So I remember no. they had James from Big Time Rush on it like last season. Yeah, they did. Their boy band for this one um is Chris. I think it's Chris Catanza. No, that's the <gasps> comedian. Oh, it's Chris from NSYNC. Oh, Chris man. Catanza is on this season though. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's Ooh a good time. Boy. Um, we have two Real Housewives. <gasps> um, I think one from Atlanta and one from LA. Um, That's fun. We have um, Carson something or other who is a RuPaul's judge. RuPaul oh, how do you say we? And he's so funny. Oh, I am one of the like, Big Brother stands. Like you're involved Doctor, in this. Um, like we have it. Doctor Walker the other day in class was saying that they should somebody should make like a real half size of Victorian England. That's fair. You should. I would watch that. That sounds That's like uh, um, Katrina mm-hmm. Zabrowska skit. It does. Carolina Zabrowska. Zabrowska. The she, Real Housewives she has, are some of the best contestants. She has mm-hmm. one that's like The Bachelor, but but in Victorian times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is a good one. That would be for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shout out to Carolina Zabrowska. We hey, need Bonnie. you to make a Real Housewives of yeah. Victorian England. What happened on this day in history? Oh, you said you were going to do that, yeah. Wow. Oh, my you're gosh, you're stuff. absolutely correct. Today, as of recording, it is February 9th. Yep. Shout out to release date. Uh, give it a minute. <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> It'll be probably the 13th, but I'm not recording, the, or I'm not editing this one. Well, so you can listen to it while you go on a date on Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah. Pre-Valentine's Day. Happy almost Valentine's Day, gang. Happy almost yeah. Valentine's Enjoy Day. Enjoy our Christmas episode. Wait, do we do... <laughs> this will be my <gasps> first Valentine's Day actually being with someone. Do I do this day yeah. in for today or for Valentine's Day? engaged. Oh. I am engaged. Wait. Do, do, do a couple honorary for the day we're recording, but do some Valentine's Day history. Yeah, okay. I'll do that. That'd be fun. Ooh, yeah, I like that. The history so, of love and loss. Some quick or ones. Saint Valentine. <laughs> you can look that up. Yeah. Well, for some, now, for some quick ones today, for February 9th in two thousand two, Princess Margaret died. Why did you say that in such a cheery voice? I just, I don't know. I was just getting set up, but okay. I realize I'm talking about death. Um, oh my god. How would you say he said to, to say the Battle of Guadalcanal in this voice um, from nineteen forty three? Who else died? Oh, Shirley Temple and Arthur Miller. That got us talking about Arthur Miller and his short marriage to Marilyn Monroe. We talked about that for like the 20 minutes it took me to set up recording. They yep. look so happy. And their divorce was so messy. Their divorce was so messy. Maybe that could be our, like, that is that is one Valentine's Day history mention because it, it looked like, yeah, they did look so happy. Like, they were so cute. Like, 
there was clearly some kind of whirlwind romance going on there, and then heartbreak. So yes, Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. He did not go to her oh, funeral. He didn't go to her funeral, guys. But what? he said he had a really sweet sounding reason. His sweet sounding reason was that like all the people at Marilyn Monroe's funerals were basically gonna be like like fake mourners. Like they were mourning her as this like big celebrity like it was be a like a social city event. thing. Yeah. 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 And he was like, I think I'm just gonna stay home and like mourn my ex wife privately. Which yeah. like sweet. But what I okay, I did read one time though that um Joe DiMaggio was actually one of her closest friends up until the point where she died. And like Aww. he was the one who was like there for all the the funeral stuff and like the he like he Joe. he took care of her when she was Alone and stuff. Joe. So like, I don't know how well their marriage went. Like I, out of her ex husband problems, but then like they were friends afterward, and he took care of her afterward when she was going through some shit. That makes me so sad. Like out of her ex husbands, yeah. like Joe was the best. It it sounds like it. Shout out to Joe DiMaggio and all of our baseball fans. Some people <gasps> definitely sound like they're better at being friends than being married to each other. That's you know? true. Mm-hmm. Like in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, have you watched that? Yeah, it's like her and her. Husband I'm showing Joe it to like Noah right now, and he yes. loves it. I think almost as much as I do, which I, which makes me very happy. And they're coming out with oh, this could be a media mention. Wait, yeah, when's it, the new season coming out? They're coming out with the new season. I think February 18th. What's today? Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm very very excited about it because I've watched the entire show like twice. So it's it's just it's maybe my favorite show. The Law and Order reboot happening February twenty eighth. Hugh Dancy is the new DA. <laughs> I'm just excited for that. That's I'm not glad. Like, I'm <laughs> glad you're excited. But the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is historical. It's because it's set in the fifties. It, it is. It's about a, a Jewish housewife who becomes a comedian when her husband leaves her. Yep. Um, it's wonderfully aesthetically pleasing. It is. And charming and funny and. Has a lot of swear words in it. It does. Mm-hmm. It's the same writer that did um, Gilmore Girls. It is, but it's nothing like Gilmore Girls, except yeah. that it's witty and cute and Gilmore wonderful. Gilmore Girls is like watching Rory like ruining someone's life and then being like, la, 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 la. <laughs> and then Mrs. The Maisel is like, <laughs> her going up on stage and flashing everyone. And, and then <laughs> she didn't flash. She <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. That, that gives it a bad. There's only one... T- one time, when she, <laughs> she she flashes with her words, <laughs> and she did <laughs> show her, you know, breasts to the entire audience that one time. That's but true. but she was drunk, and she doesn't do that again. It's she's you know. It's just the one time. Cause she yeah, I'm not gonna give it all away. But the first time she does comedy, it's because she's drunk because her husband just walked out on her. Yeah. Um, and then that's how she discovers that she's actually hilarious. But she has wonderful fashion. That's one of the things I love most about it is the yep. fashion. Beautiful, beautiful outfits and very funny people and relationship dynamics. Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what Joe DiMaggio reminded me of? What did that remind you of? Baseball. Okay. Which reminds me of that today in history, Satchel Paige was nominated to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh. So in 1971, February 9th, Pitcher Leroy Satchel Page became the first Negro League veteran to be nominated for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And then in August of that year, um, yes, he was inducted in August. He was nominated today in history. He was, he was born in Mobile, Alabama, if that's important to Mobile. anybody. Mobile. I think it's Mobile. Mobile, Alabama? Yeah. Now I have to say this day in history, February 14th. When I looked up Valentine's Day history, 
it came up with the Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh. Do you know anything about that? No. <laughs> it says it's like basically it sounds like gang violence in Chicago in the 20s. And then it happened on Valentine's Day in 1929. I don't know if I want to go into that more. I was not, I, the one I saw was in 1989 on February 14th. Um, a fatwa was issued against Salman uh, Rushdie. So Ayatollah against, Rahola oh. Khomeini of Iran issued a fatwa. And I say a fatwa. Why am I saying that? A fatwa. A fatwa. I never. It's a law. It's a law. Um, <laughs> and offered a bounty for the assassination of author Salman Rushdie, whose novel, The Satanic Verses, um, he was denounced as blasphemous. That's just kind of funny. Wait, what is that? I don't know what that is. Um, yeah, an Iranian leader in, in 1989 was like, that book is blasphemous and just banned it. Oh. It was just a bummer. On Valentine's was, Day. Yeah, it was just... Interesting. It's it mainly just a bummer. What is up with this terrible pop-up ad? This looks like mm. a virus. Oh, it's literally popping up on all of my search results. This is on the Encyclopedia Britannica. Be safe. It says be safe. That looks horrible. I can What's take happening? Take a look at your computer when we're done. <laughs> okay. Well, now that Bonnie's yeah, afraid. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Bonnie is afraid. I'm not going to end. I'm not going to end on the on the Ayatollah Khomeini thing. Okay. I can take a look at your computer when we're done. <laughs> I'm like, um... That might be good. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's like the pop-up ads on the Britannica website are popping up on top of the articles for some reason. Anyway, I mean, nothing too much... Nothing seems too, too fun. Oh, in 1946, the first general-purpose high-speed electronic digital computer, the ENIAC, Electronic Numeral integrator and computer was demonstrated to the public by its creators j presper eckert jr and john w mulchley i don't know what any of those words meant in 1929 members of al capone's gang of bootleggers massacred a rival gang run by yeah. george moran in chicago during the prohibition era yep that's what i found i feel like we should move away from actual yep. things that happen on valentine's day and just talk about like i don't know seems like a lot of bad things happened on valentine's day Hey, Captain James Cook was killed by Hawaiians yeah, in a okay. dispute over the Valentine's Cutter. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I don't know. I mean, some people would say that's a, a fun thing that happened. A fun thing. <laughs> James Cook wasn't exactly the most respectful to the Hawaiians. So, like, some people would cheer. Hey, Richard Allen, the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, was born in Philadelphia in 1760. Okay, yeah, he was born. He didn't die. I thought that you were going to say somebody died. Somebody was, he was murdered. Born. That's good. Ooh. Being born is good. Oh wait. Yeah, on February fourteenth. On February fifteenth, the USS Maine was destroyed, leading to the Spanish American. Do you War. guys have any plans for Valentine's Day? What does my calendar say? <laughs> <laughs> Do you need to ask your roommate? Valentine's yep. Day from six thirty a.m. to three thirty p.m. I will be at the wonderful and Med Hospital. Ooh. Oh, it's a Monday. I'm pretty oh, yeah, busy it's on a Mondays. Monday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'm gonna be on the COVID unit. So. <laughs> oh shoot! Yay. Love and death are in the air. Do you get to see? Do you get yeah. to wear all the gear? Oh, I have to wear all the gear That's for like so 12 fun. hours straight. Wow, I'm so sorry, actually. <laughs> but wow. Nursing. Oh. This one really do be ended on a high note. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, I we, feel like we need some. We said woo, COVID. Woo, COVID. I know, I was, I was trying. I was trying to bring us back from, like, gang massacres and and death. 
Well, what about you, Bunny? Do you have any Valentine's plans? Sometimes you can't avoid it. No, I do not. In my book, as variety is the spice of life, gang massacres are the spice of history. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Gang massacres are the spice of history? You've heard it here first, folks. Oh, dear. Do not quote us on that, please. And that's why it travels along the Silk Road. What? What? Gang massacres? I don't know. I don't know. Just, okay, just we are just we are spiraling that? into chaos now, get folks. To there? So, um, do you oh, guys? What are we gonna? Is correct. This, have we reached the conclusion of today's podcast? I guess. Since we are spiraling into confusion and we never come to chaos. a clean end. We also we always just devolve. We just kind of like wander off. Bonnie set me up. And as we always say here at History for Non-Majors, gang massacres are the spice of life. Thank you. Have a great week. (laughs) (laughs) Why?